it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Thanks so much for visiting the windowsill with me today. I am so glad you're here. If it's your first time, welcome. And if you're back again, you know I am super happy to have your ears along for the chat. I have a great one this week. Miralee Patel is somebody that I admire greatly for her words, her wisdom, her work, her creativity. And now I know just a little bit more about her because we sat down and had a really interesting chat. And I absolutely love her books and her latest one, which we share a lot about today. It's called How It Feels to Find Yourself. Just came out at the very end of May. So I think you'll be intrigued. A little bit more about Mira. She's a self-taught artist, writer, and internationally recognized best-selling author. Mira writes books that help people connect with themselves, each other, and the world around them. Her books and journals for everyone have sold well over a million copies and have been translated into more than a dozen languages worldwide. Isn't that Amazing. In 2021, Mira was awarded the Olin Fellowship to pursue her MFA in illustration and visual culture at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. After spending many years waiting for the right time to pursue her first love, children's literature, Mira's finally following her heart. In the forthcoming years, while continuing her advocacy for greater mental health awareness through her own work, she hopes to write and illustrate for children and grown-ups who care for them. And I think you'll really find in this chat that Mira is very humble. She's like so many of us who kind of look at our own work and think, oh, I don't know, you know, should I put this out there? But she has, and we're all the better for it. Her books are beautiful, her workbooks as well. And I really can't wait to see what happens when she turns her hand and her heart to children's books. Each week, Mira writes Dear Somebody, a short note chronicling five things worth remembering. She is also a core contributor Uppercase Magazine, where she writes and illustrates Being, a column on the intersection of mental health and creativity. So make sure you hop over to Mira's website, miralee.com, and sign up for that newsletter. Don't want to miss it. Oh, I also wanted to mention Mira's new book, How It Feels to Find Yourself, just came out at the end of May. It's a self-help book that focuses on exploring and understanding one's own emotions, thoughts, and experiences. The book is divided into different sections, which is really cool. Each one focuses on a specific topic, such as self-discovery, creativity, mindfulness. Mira encourages readers to reflect on their own lives and emotions and provides prompts and exercises to help with that. And her illustrations, personal anecdotes run throughout, and it's just a really safe, lovely space. So listen in as we talk more about that and Mira's path and the things that have inspired her, kind of some magic moments that have happened along the way, and just the really honest feelings that we all get about, am I good enough to do this? Is it the right time? And then what happens when you grab on and say yes? So here's Mira. Mira, thank you so much for being here with me. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Me too. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Absolutely. I kind of tend to want to jump right into your book because I'm so obsessed with how perfectly profound and timely it is. But (laughs) before we do that, I would love to just kind of get our listeners settled into who you are and how you got here. You're you're doing so many things that I admire. And tell me a little bit about your kind of creative journey and, and how you ended up, 
I ended up here, book author and artist. Sure. I have been making for a long time, but I've actually only been full-time freelancing for about five years. So I worked through my 20s. I went to school for English and journalism. I always wanted to be um, a writer. And it felt like going to school for journalism would be something more practical than, you know, just being a novelist because Mm. I didn't think that would help me support myself. So after I graduated, I started working at a publishing company. It was a technical publishing company. Mm. So we published papers written by electrical engineers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I edited. And after about a year, I felt really, really just disconnected Mm. from myself and from my purpose. It didn't feel like I had much meaning in my days. And I needed a way to get back to myself. And that's when I started drawing. So I did that about a year into the job. I started drawing just for myself. And I started, I opened like an Etsy shop. And I joined the craft circuit Mm -hmm. in New York, New Jersey, Philly, on the East Coast where I lived. And that's where I saw that people were, there were families. You know, we had, you and I mentioned uh, Margot Kent of Paganol. Mm-hmm. But like I met Margot and I saw, you know, she's got a family. She's got children mm-hmm. and she's making it work with her own business, with her creativity, with her art. And meeting people like that really energized me and made me see that there was there was a possibility to be both responsible and financially independent, which are values mm-hmm. that my immigrant parents really instilled in me mm-hmm. while also being true to yourself and doing something a little bit unconventional. I love that combination. Responsible, yeah. independent, res- you know, respectful, true to yourself. Yeah. Creative. Creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in, you know, I feel like growing up there was such a struggling artist stereotype and it, I was, you know, I didn't want to be that. And <laughs> my parents were very encouraging of my creativity, but they were also um, very pragmatic. And they were like, this is, we want you to be happy and feel fulfilled. But more important is that you can take care of yourself mm-hmm. and never, never be in want of anything or uh, be t- dependent on somebody else. Right, right. So I just, I made up my mind. I was like, I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to support myself doing this. And I started freelancing, selling stuff in my shop, doing all the craft shows, everything, commissions, any project I would get, I would take. And it was another eight years. I stayed at my job working full time while freelancing Mm -hmm. before I was in a place where I felt comfortable quitting and taking Mm -hmm. a chance on myself. So That's good for people to hear too. You know, I just think if there's a way to allow yourself to be, to to follow that passion that your, your goals are leading you towards, but a way to make money at the same time while you're getting there, then when you feel like you can, you can separate the two, it's the timing. It feels better. It feels more solid. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to do that. Yeah. Recommended. It is okay to do that. And, you know, I will say it was a long time and it felt like a long time. And most of the time it felt like it would never happen. I was like, is this ever going to happen for me? Am I ever going to be able to um, just support myself with my work? Or will I always be working, you know, two jobs or feeling pulled in so many directions? But the resilience I built along the way, the discipline, the ability to keep believing even Mm -hmm. when it felt like it wasn't going to happen. And more than that, I think it sharpened, like, I really think the difference between people who are successful and who are not successful has nothing to do with talent or skill or any, you know, any of those things we like to believe they are. It's really the difference between those who give up and those who don't. Mm, So I think it just sharpened my resolve. And every time I woke up and I thought, I don't have to work this hard. Like I can, I have a steady job. I can just 
do my job and enjoy my life and enjoy my friends and not work all the time, it always came back to, no, I I really, really want this. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, when you have that vision for yourself and you, you had sort of cemented it, it sounds like in your, in your head by seeing others that did that and, and saying, no, I, I'm on this path. When we see it in our mind's eye, right? We can, it's easier to get there. It's not, well, easier to stay dedicated to the, to the vision, I think. Yeah, Yeah. I Mm. totally agree. Yeah. And did, were you always writing along the way as well? Um, I was writing for myself, but I will say because the day job was so writing and editing intensive, mm-hmm. I really, um, I wanted to lose myself in the art that mm-hmm. felt more like freedom. And my first book, Start Where You Are, came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that was a journal and it was a combination of writing and illustration, but it was still another two years before I left my job. Mm, that's interesting. So in that from 15 to 2003, you've got three journals, three books, and you had a job in there, right? Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's, I think, dedication to your vision, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. And and a and a baby and or a toddler and (laughs) and almost another one and a an MFA and lots of few moves. You know, life is so it's just so interesting. I think too to have those skills and be able to write about all that you've been going through, which is human experience. I think that the way you share that in all the things you've done, your journals, your art, for sure, and your books, that's what makes these easy to want to lose oneself in, I think, your books, because we can see ourselves in our own process. I'm so glad. That is 100% the intention and the goal is that by sharing myself, other people can find themselves in the work and be guided maybe by some of the values or decisions that have helped me. That's always the aim. I like too that they're a bit of a, there's not an order. It doesn't matter what you read first, but they all, they relate to that process, that process of growth and finding yourself and finding yourself again, as you say on your new book, how it feels to find yourself navigating life's changes with purpose, clarity, and heart. And um, I'd add a few more words to that for my own journey. It's not always clear or I don't always know how to put my heart in it, but it's certainly a journey that if we pay attention to it, it's interesting. So your new book, How It Feels to Find Yourself, it's a gem. It's so um, accessible, especially for a creative brain, which is me. It's really digestible. And I mine's underlined, like... (laughs) Pages are turned down and things are underlined in here. It's just relevant to a lot of work I'm doing myself, just trying to look at what's happening in my life or what has and not compartmentalize. And I think you do a really good job of easing that out for yourself and Mm -hmm. therefore for your reader. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I really appreciate that response. It was definitely, this book was written during some of the really more difficult times in my life, it was conceived and written almost entirely in the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, and in newborn life um, when I had just become a mother and during, you know, isolation. And so to hear that, that vulnerability and those, you know, months that felt so isolating and tedious and never ending that I have been able to distill them into words that connect with somebody else is really, really meaningful to me. So thank you. You definitely did that. And I, we all had the pandemic in common, which is there's not a lot of things we have in common besides life and death, but to all stop at the same time. But you know, you were just having a baby and living on a different part of the country and definitely going through different things but the way you write about them, their universal feelings, it doesn't really matter where you are in life. There's going to be something in this book that you can relate to yes. and might even push you to think a little further about it. That's kind of what it's done for me is just in, you don't have to go front to back. You can skip around too, which is very cool. Yeah. I wanted to make a book where you can, you know, it's divided into sections And each section focuses on some of 
life's most universal transitions. This book is about transitions and how to deal with them in a way that feels genuine to yourself so that you are making decisions and living by the values that are important to you, not to somebody else. That's really Mm -hmm. my, my goal. I mean, one of in meandering a little bit, but like, I really try to live my life according to the values and principles that are important to me. And that means constantly evaluating and reevaluating what is important to me. And so the color palettes and the essays in this book aim to help you figure out what is important to you so that you are living a life that is shaped by and aligned with those values, not what somebody else tells you should be important to you. I think I me, mean, it's one of those things too, where it is about what's important to you, this book, and especially writing that from being a new mother, I think that's very insightful too, because as a new mother, a couple things happen. You, you have this whole new self and you don't always know what you're going to do with it. And you instantaneously start to lose yourself <laughs> at the same time. But you can relate, everybody can relate those times to different things in their life. It's not necessarily linked to motherhood. There's other things that come along. It could be a job, it could be a relationship. But I found that this is kind of, there's things in here that I'd want to share with someone, you know, uh, my kiddo or uh, my mom or a partner or a friend, you know, and it's that kind of bringing things to light that are aha, you know, there's certain authors that are good to read out loud. There's not a lot, but this is, this is one of those that I'm like, Oh, somebody else needs to hear that. (laughs) So we were in the pandemic, so things were different, but you're, I imagine you were still working and having jobs to do. How did this unfold for you? So I have been posting these color palettes on my Instagram for Mm -hmm. probably about a year. Mm -hmm. And I was also trying to decide what my next books were going to be. I usually work on a journal Mm -hmm. and another nonfiction book at the same time. And I was on the phone with my agent, um, kind of throwing out ideas, letting her know what I was interested in. And she said, hey, how about those color palettes you've been posting on Instagram? Like, I'd love looking at them. Would you ever consider doing a book around those? And it had never occurred to me because they were just so fun to make. And when something is fun, it feels a little too good to be true, right? Like (laughs) I would like making a book is hard work and how could it also be like so fun? Um, But I had been, I had been making these palettes just for myself and my followers kind of to help them uh, navigate a certain feeling moving Mm. through a certain feeling like what it feels like um when you're anxious Mm -hmm. or what it feels like um when you think you should be more productive things like that like daily daily situations we find ourselves kind of like stuck in and how do we navigate them Mm -hmm. and so when she brought up this idea of doing the pellets I was like yeah I love them how can I make this into a meaningful book? And I knew I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to share parts of my experience. And I knew that I wanted to help other people um, know themselves more deeply. And so I started brainstorming. That's where I came up with um, the palettes paired with a very short essay and a series of them to help people navigate wherever they were in their lives during that time. So the book is broken down, you know, friendship and love and family and the core sections of what, you know, composes meaning in our lives. And then the palettes that fall within each section deal with major um, moments of transition. Mm -hmm. I love when you, when you started talking about how you had been doing the palettes, you got the biggest grin on your face, you know? So it's obviously something that that you were really enjoying and it, and it just fell into place because you were already associating those palettes with things, times, you know? And 
and I think you say this in the introduction, but I definitely relate colors to feelings for sure. I don't know that everybody does, but just makes sense (laughs) in my brain and, and, and seeing them the way you portray them where there's depth and, and variation in that too. Um, Again, it just makes it easier to want to read about it. Yeah. You know, accessible. It is. And I, I appreciate that. I, there's that study that came out at some point in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years where it's, you listen, but if you're a drawer, an artist, a doodler, you often, and maybe, I don't know what else goes along with this, but if you're listening to someone, you often listen better, take it in more. If you're drawing at the same time, if you're doodling at the same time. I can't say my doodles on the edges of my algebra pages did me any good, but I do remember working with one person when I was like delivering the message, I was, you know, leading the meeting and she would always be doodling, always, always, always head down doodling. And, um, and I remember thinking not so much, gosh, she's not listening, but huh, that reminds me of me. And then reading that, that study that, um, you take in information that way was it just made sense for just a whole bunch of us, I think, you know, and I feel like this is not exactly the same, but for me, as far as taking in the material, looking at the colors, thinking about that, looking at your words around the images that you, you you know, the shapes and all that you have. um, It just makes this kind of work accessible and, I know in my life it hasn't always felt accessible because I'm not somebody that wants to just dig in and look at that. But if it's, I don't know, I just, I'm grateful for how you did this because I think it's opening up these opportunities to think more deeply to in a different way. Thank you. Yeah. My, my goal is always, you know, there's so much vulnerability involved in deciding that you are going to look at yourself or, you know, to go even further and decide I'm going to try to work on myself. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's difficult and it's overwhelming. And so with the work I make, I really want to help people ease into it and feel less afraid of seeing themselves and possibly confronting things that are difficult for them. And I think art goes a long way in offering ease and comfort and opening the door kind of, you know, to a block of words, which can feel way more intimidating. Right. I, that's such a good point. I mean, I imagine there's so many people listening right now that are thinking, huh, I'm here in my studio working on something that's giving me calmness or life or hope or um, just help me get through my day or just because I want to. There's all those reasons that we and I, I think it's for different people, it's different things. It might be that somebody's running for five miles for that same reason or or whatever it is. But that thing we do to be able to express ourselves, I feel that we're so lucky as creatives, as artists to, to have that outlet, whatever it is, because we can get lost in it. We, in I, a good way, you know, I totally, I couldn't agree more. I, I feel so lucky that I have found a way to cope with the difficult parts of life. That's what, like for me, like being an artist, being a writer, like I have found a way to feel like myself, to take care of myself in a very healthy um, and sometimes even productive way and a way to process things that are overwhelming and intimidating. And I know that's not the same for everybody. You know, not everybody identifies with being a creative, although I do think every single person is creative, but you know, it doesn't, making things doesn't offer everybody solace the way it does for us. And so I do feel really grateful that we have an outlet that is medicinal in Mm. so many ways. Mm, I love that. Creativity is medicinal. I haven't, you need to letter that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need to see that on the Instagram. 
You know, I do want to touch on a few of the other things that you find yourself in the midst of, because I think it's it's really interesting. In this whole pandemic, you've had a lot of change too. A kiddo who's not a baby really anymore, another baby, you moved from a whole other you know city <laughs> to another one, and you started a degree. Can you tell me a little bit about your MFA and, and kind of what led to that? Sure. Um, so about a year into, let me think, 2020 is when my daughter was born. So a year before that, in 2019, my husband started having dreams about St. Louis, which is, sounds ridiculous to say. <laughs> so it started with St. Louis? It started oh, gosh. With St. Louis, yeah. So he is from Dallas and he lived in Nashville for about 12 years, he went to Vanderbilt and stayed there and started his own company. And that's where I met him, actually, while I was traveling through the through the country, um, writing my book, My Frontier. I was in Nashville for a month, just oh traveling, gosh. didn't know anybody. And I met him. And that's amazing. Yeah, we fell in love. We dated long distance while I continued traveling. And then I moved there about a year later. Wow. So you had been on the East Coast and you moved to Nashville. I wondered how all that came to be. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we, I moved there. We bought a farm on 20 acres outside Nashville. Uh, We started farming. He did all the farming. I did all the cooking and the pickling and the jarring. Love it. Then we had the pandemic. How long had you had the farm before the pandemic? We bought the farm in 2018. So we had it for two years before the pandemic. And we were renovating the entire thing ourselves. Um, Yeah, it was a lot. And turning over the land, making it fertile again. We had big eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we were luckily naive enough to jump in um, without fear. And then the fear came later when we were like, (laughs) whoa, this is a lot. This is a lot. Um, So about in like 2019, I want to say he started... He's really interested in real estate and cities and how Mm. cities become almost like people, how they like become themselves. And like they have all of these traits and characteristics that define them. And he's especially interested in community building. And so love that he had been reading about St. Louis and how it was like this huge metropolitan hub at the turn of the century. And it held the world's fair. And he was like this this is a, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. This was a major place in- Ooh, I have chills on that one. Yeah, the 1900s. And people from all over the world were going to St. Louis for the World Fair. And the infrastructure is incredible. And now everyone's leaving. Like, what what happened? Like, this is such an interesting place. So we started dreaming about St. Louis. And I would just roll my eyes because he's- <laughs> He's a dreamer and I'm very practical. And he kept talking about it, talking about it, and was joking about how we should split our time between St. Louis and Nashville. And you're thinking St. Louis was not on my list. Like not a city I ever thought about even, you know, like if you asked me to name 10 cities, I would never say St. Louis. It was just, it was funny. And I, I just thought it was interesting how infatuated he became It's so aligned with his thinking, though. I mean, for somebody that's interested in those things, that's kind of a brilliant place to start. Yeah. My grandparents were both born in St. Louis. Very, very poor. My grandfather was born in 1900. He remembers going to the World's Fair. My my grandmother was born in 06, I think. And by the time I came along, they, they lived in Illinois. But I heard so many stories of St. Louis and now I work with Studio M and they're in St. Louis. So I'm there every once in a while. And my dear friend Lee Stanley lives there. So it's, it's one of those places that I am getting to know a little bit more about, but it's always been this, its own character in my growing up just from stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. There's so much potential there. Oh yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Okay. So he's dreaming about it. 
I'm like, okay, we're in a pandemic and my husband's having weird dreams. And so I decide, okay, this guy's going to make me move to St. Louis one day. <laughs> you so can I feel see, it coming. <laughs> I got to see what's there for me. And so I started researching. I had always wanted to get my MFA because I am a self-taught artist. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of oh, I'm not a real artist. I have no formal training. I don't have any art history background. I don't, you know, know techniques or trends or even like art history movements. Like I, I've just felt always very intimidated, very behind mm. and very not enough mm. when it comes to the label of an artist. I get that. And I so appreciate that. And I I love that you tuned into that for yourself and said, I need to do something about that. I also want to note to people who are thinking, I can't do this before I do all these things, that you can still put a lot of beautiful work into the world, three journals, three books, and continue to learn. Yes. It just makes it richer. I It's so important to talk about this, and I'm so glad that we are because it stops every single one of us. And we're, we're always so amazed when we hear someone that we think is a, an amazing actor or an artist or whatever it is, say something like that. But it's just such a good reminder that we are all on our own path. Absolutely. And I will actually um, jump on board with you, Margo, and say that you should like make first. The schooling is not, I'll finish the story, yeah. but you absolutely do not need school. You do not need a degree. You don't need anybody to guide you. You only need yourself to make art that is genuine and that connects with other people. And interestingly enough, so I found this program at WashU that is for artists and authors. It's for people who mm-hmm. combine art and words. And that felt very serendipitous because I, I had always felt that if I could choose one, If I could choose art or writing, I would be more successful. I would move faster Mm. into my career and grow and build better and faster. And I felt that my interest in both was kind of preventing me from being very good at either one. Oh, so interesting. That inner dialogue and and looking at society and what and society's choices. A lot of self-doubt and a lot of wanting to fit in and a lot of society telling us to pick one and to be really good at it and to be focused and don't have too many interests and all of that. So when I saw this program, I was like, oh my gosh, it's for me. It's for someone like me who not only can't choose, but doesn't want to choose. They want to do both and they want to make work that combines both. So I you must have been just kind of blown away when you found that I was, it felt serendipitous. Uh huh. It did. And then of course, right. The immediate fear, like, Oh, I'm not good enough. I'd never get in, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. Like, should I bother like that? Right. All of that settles in. So I had my baby October, 2020. And one day in January, I think my husband was like, so are you going to apply to grad school or what? And I was like, well, I haven't slept, you know, in months. And oh, the, time. the deadline for the application is in like three weeks. So I'm thinking no. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, I think you should do it. I think you should apply and just see what happens. And I said, you know, I can't, we can't afford grad school. And he's like, well, there's, you know, there, there was a scholarship opportunity. And he's like, you're going to apply for that. And let's just see what happens. So I did. I stayed up for a couple of weeks working on my application and applying. And I also applied for the Olin Fellowship, which is for outstanding women Mm. candidates. And that fellowship offers a full ride to, to pursue your degree. And a couple months later, I got an email saying, congratulations, you were accepted into the program. And I thought to myself, well, cool, like that's validation, but you know, I can't afford a WashU degree. 
So that's, that's wonderful, but it's probably not going to happen. And then about two weeks later, I got a phone call saying that I had been selected as one of, I think, seven or eight Olin Fellows. Oh. And they were going to give me a full ride to pursue the MFA. And I think I just burst into tears. Oh, my gosh. Immediately. And that, Margot, is why I wanted to tell listeners, you know, I did it in reverse. I did all of the work on my own. And I pursued my career without the degree, without the background, without the support. And it is all of that work that led to me getting a full ride to get the degree. It was all that work that convinced somebody, hey, she's serious. Look what she's built so far. What what could what more could she do with this degree? Let's give her mm. give her the opportunity. That's such a good point. I think exactly right. And and we think about it, you know, I have a 15 year old right now. So we're thinking school after high school and what what are you doing to that institution wants to feel like they're accepting someone that that's really going to get the most out of their education, you know, and especially when they're looking to help for a scholarship recipient or whatever that is. And, and we don't always think about that. It, it really relates directly to how we live our life. I think because if you try and force it, that's obvious too. So the fact that you were being you along the way and still feeling you know, obvious inadequacies, inadequacies about that, but doing it because it was calling you and it was a passion for you. That is fantastic that somebody else saw that as well. It was incredibly encouraging. I, I feel very lucky. Yeah. Wow. So you had a baby during the pandemic, the heart of it, <laughs> yeah. which must, yeah. must have been in itself an hour long story, at least. <laughs> Because could you even both be in there? Could you both be in the hospital at the same time at that point? So Trevor wasn't, he didn't come to any doctor's appointments throughout the whole pregnancy. They wouldn't let him in. He was able to be there for the birth, um, but we weren't allowed to have any visitors. And then afterwards, you know, my parents quarantined and came to help me immediately after the birth for a couple of weeks, which was really amazing. And then it was just the two of us and both working for ourselves, you know, the, no yeah. maternity, paternity leave, like oh, we, no. you know, do everything on our own. So it was really hard. I was writing this book at the time. Yeah. Um, so I had deadlines for this book. And then we were finishing up the farm because yeah. now we have to sell it right. and to St. Louis. So wow. it was a really hectic I will say a really stressful year it was. I guess. So did you start school fall of 21? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Making it happen. That's just grabbing a hold and saying, okay, I'm here for the ride. I'm going to drive and I'm going to ride for sure. Yep. We found out my acceptance in March and we sold the house in June and moved at the end of June and then started I started school in August and we still didn't have child care because you know the daycare lists are like a year long oh right especially if you didn't you know grow up there and know about yeah. what you were supposed to do we ran into that right. too. yeah so it was uh, months of just going to school going to class running home baby repeat and you yeah. know <laughs> we but it must work. have been so I mean you were doing something that you were really interested in too, you know, yes. that yes. must've been a whole different thing, you know, than just, you have to go to this class. Yes. It was really invigorating. It's really interesting to go back to grad school, um, in your mid thirties, all of my classmates are in their early twenties. Mm -hmm. So it, our priorities are so different and how we look at school is very different. I remember being an undergrad and being like, oh, I have to go to class and I just want to stay in bed and et cetera. And now at my age, I'm like, I can't wait to go to class and look at my awesome homework assignment and, <laughs> you know, the research I get to do and look at the libraries. And there's a whole different level of gratitude and interest and curiosity. And 
and just like I said, like I feel really lucky. It's a beautiful school. It's yeah. a wonderful program. I feel really lucky to be able to go back and, you know, enjoy it. It is really difficult, but enjoy it and just have this as a, as something that I'm able to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like you're more grounded in your creativity since that felt like you weren't and you, you've, do you feel like you've learned some of those things that, that you were feeling like you were missing, whether you were or not? This is a really good, interesting question because I think that a lot of the reason I wanted to go to grad school was insecurity driven. Mm -hmm. It's like, I wanted a label that would brand me as a real artist. Mm -hmm. And my first year um, of grad school, I was very anxious. I felt really out of place. I was, you know, 12 years older than everybody. I was the only parent. Um, I couldn't go to the bar after class. You know, I had a baby to take care of. And more than that, I wanted to make a big kind of not career change, but I really wanted to pursue children's literature. That is what has always, like, since I was little, I wanted to write and illustrate picture books. Yeah. And life, freelance life just took me in another direction with adult nonfiction. And I love it. And I don't want to stop that work. But as a freelancer and as somebody who's really practical, I never gave myself the chance to make work for me because I was so busy taking on work that would pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that is a common thing for a lot of us. It's like, oh, if, yeah. if you have become so lucky to find something that works, you know, right? how dare you stop doing that work to do something that only holds meaning or interest for you. Right. It doesn't feel like a good enough reason. And so years of like neglecting what yeah. I was most interested in made the idea of tackling it even more scary. And then the fear of not being successful at it, or what if I'm not good at it, or, you know, all of those discouraging self-doubt thoughts. And so when I got into this program, it was like, okay, this is my chance to I'm now in grad school. I'm going to have to say no to outside of, outside of my book work. And I write a column for uppercase. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, I started saying no to everything because I just didn't have the time with the schoolwork. Yeah. And that gave me, this master's program gave me the opportunity to make work that was not paying me, yeah. that was not doing anything for me other than being purely explorative. Mm -hmm. speaking to, yeah. speaking to what you were feeling like you needed to make yes, instead, well, inside instead of outside. Yes. Inside. And also being really bad at it, Margo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was making some awful, <laughs> awful work. Oh, that's such a, that's such a positive thing to have to do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a roundabout way. Right. Cause yeah. it's hard. I, I think to, especially when you've, you know how to be good at certain parts of it right. to let, to allow yourself to not be an expert. Yes. And what I wanted to make, you know, char character driven work, narrative work, I had never done it before. So I was not good at it. And of course that made me feel more insecure and more anxious and more like, Oh my gosh, like now I'm in grad school and I'm just making garbage. And, you know, my professors would say, that's what, you're supposed to be doing like you're on track. Yes. Now I'm in my second year and I'm working on my thesis project was, which is a picture book mm -hmm. and awesome. I'm starting to feel confident and it's not confidence like, Oh, I'm good. It's confidence. Um, Oh, I, I will be good one day. Mm -hmm. And that practicing and staying true to the craft, the same as I've done for my whole career, is the only way to get there. There's no shortcuts. So I'm not making the work still that I want, but now I feel really confident and grounded. And like we touched on before, I feel 
even more sure that this is what I want to do. Mm. And this is the work that I want to be invested in. And it's okay that it's going to be a long road. And it's okay that it's going to be a hard road because it's the road I want to be on. So that, that feels really good. That feels really good. And you've worked really passionately to get there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's a big deal. I can't wait to see what comes out of this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, cause it's, it's so good already. And I just think your, your work and your art and your illustrations are so compelling. I think they'll be so beautiful as children's books, you know, those kind of books, there's some kind of permission in children's books um, to be a little bit more fantastical because it's a children's book. It's telling a shorter story, the page, you can cover the page, whatever that is. And so many of us uh, buy those for ourselves, you know, because of that short message or those beautiful pictures. And the fact that you, you create both the word and the image. Can't wait to see what's, what's coming out of you. Thank you. Hope to make page. you that. Oh my gosh. Already. I am so grateful for this. Well, not just this book, because I have many of your others as well, but this one is here at the right time. And I love that Cindy Spiegel wrote such a beautiful little blurb that's on the back. She's a force too. Such a a beautifully energetic force. I love, I just saw her at Alt Summit. She's so infectious. She is infectious. She has good words to say. Oh my gosh. Well, I would love to continue to talk to you as you're on this journey, because I think there's so much that so many can relate to in your words and you generously share them. But I think also it's just realizing that I think to so many, when you see, oh my gosh, to say, you know, Mira has these books out and look how successful she is and she's done this and she must have it all together. And then to hear, like we do often with so many other people, oh human, you know, like in the work, in the mud, in the process, in the discovery. And I just really appreciate that part of it. And I've been thinking a lot about, uh, to pick a word, vulnerability and communication and being better at, um, not just tying up the package neatly, but, but knowing how to or feeling more comfortable, just like saying whatever it is that needs to be said. And, Mm -hmm. and there's some good things in your book about that too. And, and just these conversations I have every week with people, that's what it's like for me. I, I just love listening to where you are right now and leaning in. And it feels like we just had this, we just met at a coffee shop and had the most wonderful catch up. So I really appreciate that. Me too. I have loved talking to you. I would love to come back and talk to you many, many times. Good. Yeah. Let's say yes to that for sure. Yeah. I'm going to visit you. Oh, Um, yes. Please visit me. And I'll come visit (laughs) you because I do come to St. Louis. Yes. Yes. Please come visit. But you do. You have to make your way to Vashon. It's it's magical. And I think you would completely fit right in. Yeah. I think I'd love it. Tell me who's inspiring you these days. Ooh. I would say my daughter. I don't know if that answer is cliche, but she is totally valid. She's so curious and she's in the why stage where, you know, anything I say, it's like, why? And it's such a good question. And it's such a, it forces me to figure out not only why something is the way it is, but why am I asking her to do something? Mm. And is it important? And should I be asking that? And it just, forces me to reevaluate. And I'm really enjoying that. I always thought, you know, I always heard about the why phase. And before I had a kid, I thought it would really frustrate me. But it doesn't. It really stops me and it forces me to think about it. And I see the, like the gears in her head move, like you can mm-hmm. physically see them move through her eyes. Yes. She's processing and she's trying to understand. And it reminds me that with the work that I'm trying to make now, and the new path I want to make for myself. Kids, they're full people. You know, she's two and a half, but she's a full person and she deserves 
a real answer that makes sense and that I'm not just giving her out of ease or convenience or to get her to do something. So I would say that's very inspiring and encourages me to really think about why I do things and whether I'm doing them mindlessly or not. It makes us stop and think, and there's not often the opportunity to do that. No. That's such a valid one. Very cool. You know what? Not all kids, my Cooper didn't really have a why stage or maybe because I remember when I was younger, somebody had a younger sibling who was in that stage. And I can remember thinking, oh my gosh, they ask why for every single thing. Why is the window rolling down like that? Why are there clouds in the sky? Why is that thing stuck to the ground? And that one's not, you know, and, and I just remember, wow, this is really interesting. And, and I think, I love that your daughter does that because you're such a thinker too. I'm sure that's, and that's, I think, um, cliche wise, it's the answer is because, right. Or because I said so, or because (laughs) whatever. And to go further than that is a gift to both, to both of you. I find myself saying, I don't know a lot. Mm, Yeah, that's good (laughs) too. I don't know why. Yeah, let's figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. I love that. Oh, well, thank you for your insights and tell people where they can find you. Sure. So my website is miralee.com and I am on Instagram at miralee Patel and how it feels to find yourself will come out May 23rd. Um, by Penguin Random House, and it should be in bookstores and online everywhere. Absolutely perfect. Well, I can't say enough how much I feel you all need this book, holding it (laughs) up right now, because it is just beautiful. I had it for a while before I picked it up, because it's just how I am sometimes. I have to show you, Mira. It sits on my desk right on top Mm. of Lisa Solomon's or near Lisa Solomon's color deck. And they're so delicious together. Yeah, they're beautiful. And I use Lisa's often in the morning just to just to decompress. But her that exercise with your words and your colors. Ooh, can't wait to see what comes next. What's what journal is coming out with this? What What's next? What's next? So go find those things. And on Instagram, did you say that one? Yes, Marilee okay. Patel. Okay, great. All right. Well, I just appreciate your time today. Good luck with this new babe. By the time that you're having a book and a baby at pretty much yes. the same time. <laughs> yeah. And you're graduating. Graduating. Yeah. Oh it's a gosh. busy couple of weeks. It yeah. is a busy couple of weeks. Well, you're obviously in the right place for you right now. And I'm thrilled for you about that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a joy. Me too. Thank you. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.